Hello, everybody, and welcome again to Saints Radio. And it is a very great privilege to be able to connect with you every week in uh, this way. Uh, we're really blessed to have the uh, the team back together again up here. Monica flew in late last night just just to be here for this broadcast. You better believe it. <laughs> so um, only the only the best for all of you. Only the best. Um, but welcome. We're really happy to, in this month of December, be able to gather together with the saints in this way, and we pray that you are experiencing the abundant blessing of the Lord, that you continue to remain under the covering of the blood of Jesus, and that you are walking in health and wealth and uh, every measure of inspiration from the throne of God. That's what a saint should be, right? That's right. Even, you know, there's different, there are different measures of wealth. Um, there really are. You know, we've, we've, we've been blessed. And um, I'm so grateful to the Lord for that. Mm-hmm. So, what's the report from LAX, was it as crazy as always when you fly through there and you head down to that keyhole of American Airlines gates? Uh, no. It, yesterday it was just like a ghost town, honestly. I think the flight that I was on, I didn't look in the back of the plane. Thank goodness the Lord gave me favor to be able to, to put us in the front, but... Um, the flight was probably 25% full. Wow. It was a big plane, so... But even the airport was very, very quiet. And while I was there, as many of you know, just through the news, that California went into lockdown on Saturday night at 10, I think, or midnight, maybe. And so they are in lockdown for three weeks, very similar to what we experienced in our quarantine back in April, March. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, but they don't have big techs out there, you know. Mm-mm. He's not talking about tossing communion packets at people. <laughs> it's a totally different. It, it's on, honestly, I and I know I've testified to this before. I've been going, I've been going into L.A. Santa Monica for a number of years, only because. Um, I would accompany Les on his strategic coach. That's where his strategic coach would meet every quarter. And so I would go with him every three months and, and spend a long weekend there in L.A. And and then when Noah moved, with Livia moving to L.A. and then Noah moving to Santa Barbara, spent a lot of time in L.A. <coughs> and have spent a lot of time in Santa Barbara. And first of all, those are two totally different worlds two totally different worlds and it's always I can always breathe once I drive away from LA down that Pacific Coast Highway toward you know to go up north to go towards Santa Barbara it's like just gradually I can start feeling myself breathing again and so Santa Barbara has always been somewhat somewhat like a refuge um, for me over the last four or five years 
And and I know I've talked to you about this, Pastor, or maybe I've testified of this, but about maybe three or four times ago when I went to visit, I was there by myself, and, and I was driving down Garden Street towards the water, and I was just thanking the Lord. I was just thinking how beautiful <coughs> this little town is and thanking him for just for the, the, the blessing and the privilege to be there and what he's doing there in the community. And... And all of a sudden, it's like he opened up the spirit realm to me. And my little utopia (laughs) of light, he began to show me the darkness. And I, I just wanted to shut the curtains, you know. I just immediately, it was just like so, I don't know. It's just like, I guess that was the time that he wanted to pull back the veil a little bit and allow me to see the darkness there in that in that place where... God is establishing the Olive House and the community where Noah is. And and from that day, it has been different every time I go. And it's it, it has been literally like been um, warfare and uh, just really a totally different experience. But nonetheless, every bit is extraordinary and wonderful because that based I mean that is our life that is our existence here on the earth is he's called us to go to these places and establish those dwelling places of praise and glory and light and 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 I know that that's what he's doing there and sometimes we don't want to see the darkness we don't want to see the other side but it's been it's been really an awakening for me in a lot of ways it stirred my spirit so much to know that when I go now, my expectations are my expectations of what God is doing are the same, but it, it's kind of a mystery what I'm going to encounter when I go. And so it, there's more of a girding up, almost like you know we've traveled so much and we've gone into different territories throughout the world, and you you really do learn by experience, um, not n- not to be caught off guard. To, to prepare yourself for whatever you may face. And, and, and so I was used to that going into L.A. I mean, you've just been in the airport and experienced principalities and, and things like that. And so, but in Santa Barbara, it, it really has been just a whole different season of, um, of intercession and of really, and in a lot of ways it's been good because it's, it's helped me in equipping these young people to to wake up and to recognize um, the gravity of the calling that God has put upon them there. Because I believe what's happening in Santa Barbara is going to affect that whole state and, you know, subsequently that region and, and our country. And so... You know, in a lot of ways, you read the news and you see just the craziness that happens in that state, and it's just so disheartening. But I can promise you this. The Spirit of the Lord is there, and He's moving. But it is requiring, I mean, it requires everything. I mean, I, uh, day and night. I mean, I'm exhausted. Whereas used to, I would go and... It would just be easy peasy little retreat kind of thing. (laughs) 
Now, I mean, literally, I was flying home last night just because there was a lot of interruptions. There was a lot of opposition. But you know what? You rise above it. And, and I'm just so thankful for our training and the equipping that God has given us through just the revelation of his word, through knowing how to pray, through knowing how to stand, um, and, and, and believing and not relenting. So you asked me what the, what the word was from L.A., and <clears throat> I just got in my car and drove straight through. But wow, yeah, good. good. Well, that, that's good. I'm I'm very thankful for um, what God's doing. I mean, it's it's a very strange thing to be in this world in the natural, but recognize that you're not of this world, which would then say, you know, most Christians say that, and that means. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. Your mother knows that song. If heaven's not my home, oh Lord, what would I do? The angels beckon me. Oh, everyone stand and sing. But we think that, but really on this terrain, if we're in this world but not of this world, what world are we in in this world? See, that's the issue. It's not, okay, you're here, but you're really not here. No, God God wouldn't do that. You're here, and you really ought to be functioning in this dimension. And um, as God has allowed us to develop the giftings that he has given, which are clearly, evidently in the Scripture, as seers and as those who have prophetic mindsets, and the abundance of visions and revelations that God gives according to what Paul said an apostolic mission would be, you you really, you continue to be um, keen to what the Lord would reveal in a spiritual dimension. <clears throat> I remember when uh, I first became pastor, I would go out to Jack Hayford's pastor's gathering every November. And, of course, Kelly was little then, and we would go, and we'd end up at Disneyland, and I, I remember running around with her. But, you know, the atmosphere when you first go out there is the weather's great, usually. It's just open and airy, and you just feel, you feel things that are just warm and cozy, and everybody's just... Oh, yeah, you know, and I know that's, that's, that's the inviting atmosphere. It's like the fragrance of the rose. And, but underneath that, especially since we've begun praying as saints and we did activations and uh, lots of other things, when you go there now, you still feel those initial things, but God allows you to see he allows you to experience what's the underbelly of that and um sometimes regularly now once you once you begin to discern that i don't want to say you become a target but you become Mm -hmm. it's like a checkpoint and you know in in a lot of ways it's at least this is what i've experienced 
it's, it's... I just totally lost my train of thought. Well... Please go ahead. Yeah, I'll go and you, uh, you, you get it and you just raise your finger when oh, I can't interrupt me. Um, you know, I, I remember then when God started telling me a few years ago to start going out to California just to pray. And so if I was, for instance, going to visit the church in Tucson, I would regularly go past Tucson to Los Angeles and connect to come back. It was cheaper, but I did that on purpose. And it, it's just amazing, you know, you go into San Francisco in the Bay Area and you go there to pray, which God has not told me to do that recently, which I'm kind of grateful for. But you can see the, and sense the, um, the structure of the enemy kingdom and the entities that are there. And then when you sense that, you can see how the mindsets of people are, are arranged according to what's in that terio that the enemy has. Now, hopefully with that, we in establishing the dwelling places of the Lord and establishing the Hestemes can welcome the kingdom and then as people come as God directs, they are then influenced by that positive vein. And we've experienced that here in our sanctuary where people would come for seminars or they'd come to pray and they'd come in and immediately be enveloped by whatever it is that has been welcomed in the Lord's kingdom. And the challenge is, it's kind of like plumber's kids. Too often you grow up in that and then you maybe take it for granted. You don't recognize the goodness of the Lord that's just evident beyond means. But you mentioned, you know, I, I can remember a number of times just walking through LAX or transferring over to other terminals. Sometimes I just get on that bus and ride around and pray. And um, dude, enemy influences would just yell at me. I mean, just, what are you doing here? Yeah. You're not supposed to be here. And uh, it, it's really, it's a strange thing. Did you remember what you were going to say yet? Yeah. Good. I was just, I, I was going to really more just connect with what you were talking about and that, you know, it, one of the things that you said reminded me just of what Jesus prayed over us, what he prayed over us in the book of John when he said, you know, I, I pray that you don't take them from the world, that you keep them there where mm. I'm, but that you tarry them from evil. And, and one of the things that I've had to learn, because in a lot of ways, you know, when I, for the first couple of years, when I would go into Santa Barbara, into that area, it really was like a retreat. It was like my place of rest. Mm -hmm. I didn't even acknowledge, you know, it was just a getaway. I could commune with my kid and, and just, it was just beautiful. And so now that that's shifted and that it's not that it's lifted, but it's interesting that the Lord, without me even being aware of it, began to teach me about what his true rest was. And so I've been having to really press that now when I go because that's that breath. I mean, that is, in so many ways, the impetus of 
of all that we are and all that we're doing. And, I, and I've had to really, and it's still a struggle and I haven't mastered it because like I said, I came back exhausted, but feeling so thankful for the fruit that came forth through a, a really, a weekend with a lot of opposition. And, and so um, I think it's just so important that we recognize that that rest, that breath is in your spirit. I mean, that is your spirit, man. And so while, you know, you talk about going into Southern California and the weather's perfect and the, you know, the sun is clear, the sky, you know, everything's very clear. The atmosphere to the, to the carnal, you know, to the, to the mind, to whatever, seems so clear and crisp. But that is a facade. That is such a facade. And so I've had so much to to really engage in my spirit and draw from that place to where no what no matter if my luggage is lost for forty eight hours, if my flight is canceled for ridiculous reasons, if then the next flight breaks down, if by the time I get there what I had scheduled is totally aborted because of travel. You know, no matter what interruptions come, no matter what opposition comes, and there was such opposition to me even getting there, that I am not affected in my spirit, man. I still recognize that God has called me there to do what he's called me to do, and that is to equip and to stand and believe and, and encourage and really um, shepherd this house of prayer, this house of worship that he's he's building and so um, it really I mean even at, at this mature old age <laughs> I am still learning so much about just walking with him and and functioning and and it's such a privilege I mean it's such a privilege to just to be a son of God and to be able to be obedient to what he's called us and and to see the fruit of that when you have these hungry kids that I mean something as simple as proscuneo I mean they're like ready texting me this morning can we go through this book together because they are they had, they have no idea what that even means and so just to see just the hunger and in their hearts just their passionate hearts but still the struggles I mean, they're struggling because they're in they're in that atmosphere yeah. and they don't know what to do with what they sense. And they, they really need prayer and they need I know that we've we've prophesied this and the Lord has spoken this, that he was going to bring these Elishas and even new people into the camp that exponentially we're going to catch up through grace. We need to really pray that over these young people that 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 would be upon them, that they could just exponentially just absorb what they need to be able to stand and to function and not give up. Because I know that it's it's hard. And I can, you know, my I feel the weightiness of their hearts, and of course they share with me, and, and the Lord's just good. But, you know, through it all, through, through it all, I mean, they rise up and they praise like, I mean, they just love the Lord. So anyway, it's, it's, it's really good. It's just, I mean, this is just the end time battle. 
and we are called to raise up this army of saints and uh it's it's the hard with the good <laughs> wow so yeah one of the things that because because in the scripture that the Elijah and the Elisha connection, Moses and the Joshua connection, and that thing which we've taught on a number of times, because that was regularly, uh, what's the word, disconnected, mm-hmm. we don't really have a, a really, a truly clear picture of what should have happened. For instance, you know, Elijah had the circuit that he would go to, and Elisha went with him on that circuit. And we saw interaction between some of the schools of the prophets. They'd come to Elisha and say, do you know that your master is going to be taken away? And he would say, yeah, I know it. Basically, be quiet. It was just kind of interesting, but we don't we don't really see what should have been. We don't see what Elijah should have provided and what then that comfort and covering for Elisha should have done in then the training, not only the, the training of him, but the training of those that surrounded him. And I think we need to take a deeper look at the scriptures regarding those kinds of things and see if there are not some things that heretofore have been hidden um, that that the Spirit has placed there that will shine forth a light on some of the capacities and the anointings that God initially intended to move um, within. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm going to look at that. That's good. Uh, and I, I you know not just me but I think that's something that needs that needs to be. And here's something else just to just to consider and just to pray about. And this this might I mean this could probably be applied to what God's doing and establishing um, these houses of prayer, these what what these dwelling places that that we know that he intends to establish and has already begun that even throughout the network. But I think one of their struggles is the difference between a house of prayer and worship and a church. And and when this thing was birthed, it was birthed as we want to create a place, we want to create a place of, of prayer and worship where we welcome the Lord that becomes a light to this city that will draw people in to lead them to him. And, and, and that was, I mean, that was, I remember, I mean, I was, I was part of that the inception of that vision and then at the beginning of covid isn't that funny that that's like become this catch-all yeah it's a yeah yeah, it's a it's a watershed season of yes they felt the lord and i don't know where this came um to create a home church and so they moved the prayer and the worship from outside, which was they have this beautiful garage. They had it completely finished out. And there was such an overflow even onto the street back there in the beginning when they first started, when they would just worship, and then they would, it would turn into intercession, and then they would pray for people and you know release prophetic words and things like that to establishing this home church. They moved it inside and began to really seek wisdom of the Lord as to how to build a church. 
And there's been a lot of opposition to that. You know, what is a church supposed to look like? And and you've got these young people that are in their mid-20s that now they're trying to determine, okay, what is my, what is, where do I fit in the church, in the structure of the church and the leadership of the church, according to the fivefold. And it began, you know, there began this really intense focus on, on the gifts of the individuals to establish this structure, which is all, you know, necessary, we know, in building a church. But I think what's happened now is it's easy to, it's it, <laughs> it's easy to get f- so focused on the responsibilities and the positionings and what it's supposed to look like and lose sight of the original vision and intent of we are just our 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 you know our our sole purpose is to welcome the lord yeah and to f- and to partner with him in what he's doing and that's really where they are, and so that was that was what Sunday night's um, service was about. And so, if you you know if you pray, if you can, if the Lord puts them on your heart to pray for them, that's just something that I think that as these pockets, these dwelling places are going to be established, we need to delineate between what those two things are. And and um, I know that some are called to be a church. Some may be just called to be. A house of prayer but is there really a difference because i think about when solomon dedicated the temple temple it was all about prayer it was all about worship and so i just bring that to the table to say that i could see just a little bit of confusion there with them and so yeah that well that that makes sense um you know sometimes i reflectively consider things that we've walked through here and God chose our pathway but initially we saw that in the church there were supposed to be people who were saints and there were supposed to be people who were pneumaticos and there were supposed to be those who um, would be prophetic uh, and we we said these are different components but it's all in the church. And um, we, if, if, if I were starting a church and didn't have to deal with the baggage of seeing this developed in a general church, I would say that I recognize that you've got to have some measure of fellowship, which for us, those who stayed, revolved around our identity as saints and revolved around our intercession. It wasn't separate. I mean, it was part of that. Um, and you've got to have things like for children. Mm-hmm. You, you've, you've got to have children's ministry. You've got to train them, mm-hmm. which is a whole, and then they've got to have fun. And you've got to have people that will minister there. They can't just wash their hands of it and say, I'm going to be on the floor you know, if you if you don't take care of your own household, you're worse than an infidel. So you've got to recognize that, and then you got to you got to recognize that in the general church there are going to be people who are mind oriented that don't really want to back what God's doing in the spirit realm. So they're going to come against that. So you got to recognize all those factors. They're not going away. 
So if, if I were starting a church, which I'm not, I would say it have, would have to begin in intercession. And you'd have to know diver's intercession, not praying for Aunt Nellie's needs. Diver's intercession, being on your face, following the Lord. But you'd have to recognize whether God actually wants you to be a general church or whether he wants you to be an ecclesia. What does he want you to be? Does he want you to be a strike force of those that are called out from among to represent the kingdom? Or does he want you to be somebody that also is taking care of all the, the, the hospitality and all the other stuff that's there? Now, the challenge comes that when those types of kingdom-oriented people start getting married and having babies, then you've got to consider out of this batch, what are we going to do with our kids? How are we going to provide for them so that they have fun, they don't detest church, that they can enjoy, you know, um, teachings about the word. But it's it's almost like the primary aim should be the saints, the, the pneumatikos and the prophets, like Ephesus should have been. And then from that, you have kind of like what the apostles did when they picked out seven men full of faith and power who were embracing the calling, who could deal with the widows and who could deal with all that stuff. And you make you keep those people close because if you don't, they'll get it in their heads that this thing is functioning just because of them and they don't need the apostles, they don't need the others. And then they start, one, and that's, splits happen and that's what the enemy wants. So you almost have to have people who recognize that I have a gift of hospitality. I have a gift as a, you know, I have a, have a burden for working with children. You have to watch them. But if they are not absolutely committed to the existence of your role as people who are serving the kingdom, then you don't need them. You bless them. Let them go on to the first church down the street. But that's what you need. And brother... It is a hard road to hoe. It just is. Because as soon as you start growing, then, then you've got people who are having problems in their relationship. So you got to have counseling. And then you have people that are, you know, struggling. So you got to have a hospitality ministry. And then you got teenagers. And you know what those teenagers need. They need to be running and blowing and going. But they also need to learn. So you got to have somebody who can run with them. It, it's, it's just a crazy thing. But if in some way you lose your spiritual identity and you lose the reason you're there, you've botched the whole thing. So in that, here's that Elijah, Elisha thing. In that, there's David's mighty men where you had the upper tier that were without question the, the men and women of renown. And then you have that middle group that seemed to be the movers and shakers, the Abishais and, and the others. Uh, the Benias, and they are the staff sergeants. And then you've got the regular group, which are nonetheless mighty men, but they're not in the upper two tiers. How do you manage all that? So I, I think these younger ones are... They, if, if they start going and they've got good music and, and you know... There'll be people that come just because there's, no, let's just be honest. 
There's a lot of girls there and there's a lot of good looking guys and there'll be people who come because of that. How do you deal with them? What do you do with them? They're going to be there. And at times it's kind of hard to tell why are you here? Because they're saying the right things or whatever. We face that here. We had people that came in among us and within a year after we thought they were with us, you saw really why they were there. They were there to get a wife or a husband and that biological clock was going to be answered and they were gone. So it takes strong people who have an undying fervor for God who will cherish that, that will keep that as the main thing while recognizing that you may have to have all these other things. It, it, it may be that dwelling places become ecclesia points truly the kingdom and then they farm out to other general churches i don't know but boy we've seen it haven't we we have and i do think that that, that this is somewhat of a defining moment for even us as a, in this ministry of establishing these dwelling places throughout the earth i mean what what does that look like yeah. and what you know of course how do we equip and empower it, it, it's just it's what does that look like but i will say this that in the midst of and we're going back to olive house in santa barbara in the midst of it and i've you know i've i've been counseling and speaking with them about this for several weeks now but the lord was really good on sunday because it was it there was there was a shift, a shifting back to original identity and original intent and original purpose, and and not that those other things are gonna ha are not gonna happen and and those other assignments have not been established. I think it's just like with us. I mean, what did God do when He transformed us? He brought us back and began to show us our our identity and who we were. And you didn't never be, you never not were our pastor, but God taught you how to pray. God, God taught you how to, to really intercede and gifted you with that so that you could lead this body and teach this body how to pray, which to me has always been the foundation of our identity as intercessors. True. And to me, everything else comes from that, flows from that. And so for me, ministering to them or to a young generation that feels this calling to build this church or this house of prayer, I'm always going to go back to that. And I'm always going to say, look, your relationship and your commune and your partnership with the Lord in intercession is it's the found foundation. And it's like, I mean, we established that yeah. the two pillars of this ministry are worship and intercession. And so and. In building a church, I mean, Noah, Noah, he had a great word because, I mean, he brought it back to God called us just like in the early church to pray, to make intercession, to do, to, to function, but centered on the apostles' teaching, centered on the word of God. And so that's a whole nother <laughs> point of development. Yeah. For a, 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 a new church is what does that look like, whether it's 
we take a scripture every Sunday and we discuss it, or you have somebody that's teaching. These are just all things that you have to consider when you think, oh, the Lord wants me to start a church. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm sure Teresa could address this. I'm sure that some of our pastors who have branched out and felt the Lord say, call, you know, start a church. And they all look different, but at the same time, there's some foundational there's, there's just foundational things that we have to acknowledge. Yeah, the one thing the enemy will attack is, per, is that type of intercession and the willingness to follow the leading of the Spirit. I mean the true leading of the Spirit. I don't know how many... I was thinking the other day, and I, I try not to think about this. It's past. But how many meetings I had with significant groups of people who were part of this original church who were telling me that they didn't like what was going on and that either I changed and we redirected back to what we had been or they were leaving. And we would talk and I'd say, well, what is it that you don't like? And they would cite things and I'd say, but this is scripture. This is scripture. This is scripture. They didn't didn't want to hear that. They didn't care. Of course, now the strategy of the enemy now, as we've seen in the progressive movement, is to try to discredit scripture, to try to say, well, it doesn't really mean that, or that's really not accurate scripturally, or, you know, you're misinterpreting that. And it's always about discrediting what, what God has said. It goes back to half God said. And, um, so whoever is truly trying to be a pastor or a leader in a, in an emoticos driven church is going to have to recognize that everywhere they go as a body, there will be those that stand up and say, we don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, what did we say from the beginning? <coughs> the enemies of the current move are often those that were at the forefront of the most recent move, that that is a factor. And then you have people that just like the action, but they don't want to pay the price. They don't want to be embarrassed. I mean, haven't we heard over the past couple of years, well, we can't be praying in diversities of tongues because the new people won't understand. Now, I, I, I will say that we had to do things as the Spirit directed us out in front of everybody because God was calling this whole place to change into what he was wanting. Um, And even when we had prayer groups meeting in Peace Chapel, um, there were challenges with that too. Oh my gosh. I remember being in there during services thinking, we're probably, I don't know. Because it got pretty rambunctious in there. Yeah, it did. I, I didn't mind that. I, I would say to the people, that's all right, don't worry about them. Can you still hear me in here? And they'd say, yes. Well, they'd say, well, don't worry about them. Yes. They're, it was strange. And then I'd say, the reason God is allowing this to be this way, even though it does seem a bit out of order, is because the enemy wants to stop all of us. And we need this kind of warfare and defense and welcoming of the kingdom. Now, to me, that was an anomaly. I think, I think, in a normal way, you would want to. It's kind of like what Paul wrote in Corinthians about, you know, you got to be careful because 
when an unbeliever comes in, you want to be able to prophesy in the crypto of their life. You don't want to be casting your prayer. Jesus would take his disciples away. But there's a, there's a fine line between that. We did what we had to do, and every pastor has to, but it's so easy, especially when success comes and you're growing in numbers and you make commitments um, and your personal wherewithal depends on the finances that are provided through those commitments. When those are challenged, and they will be, if you're following after the Spirit, you got to be willing to say, Adios, amigo. We bless you. We love you. But we're going to keep following the Lord. That's a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's pray for these uh, mighty ones out there. Because there are a lot of voices and none without significance. And, um, But, you know, like what I spoke about on Sunday about equating the calling of the saints with a vow before the Lord. And it was it's every bit what the the Nazarite was. It's every bit that commitment and God looks at that vow. And once you make that vow, you've got to adhere to it. There's no going back on it. And God will pay that. God will re re, re recompense that. And so once you make a commitment to be a pneumatikos church, like what Paul said, I'm writing these things, and if there be pneumatikos and, and prophets there, they will, they will attest that what I'm saying is true. you got to have that. You can't say, you know what, what I'm saying is a little bit different, so you all get together and see if you want to go along. Paul didn't say that. He deferred it to those that were more expert, as it were, in the deeper things of the Spirit and those who were prophetically inclined. When the Antioch church, where people were first called Christ-like, met, you had deeper teachers and prophets who came together and as they ministered to the Lord. They didn't ask an appointed board who, and I love our board, but they didn't ask an appointed board who were just uh, inclined in a in an administrative thing. What do you think about this? They didn't ask the people in the back pews in the flush section, are you okay with this? They didn't ask that. He appealed to those that were driven by the deeper things of God. And yes, with that, you've got to make adjustments. It's like, you know, you had children that grew up here. I did. I've got grandchildren now. And COVID's made things different. For us, because you know we, we're not we're not having our children's ministry right now. We could, but we're not. But I see my little granddaughters over there, and they're drawing pictures of Bible stories and things of that nature. And I think I would like to be able to provide for them an established children's ministry that teaches the pneumonicos things. Many of you have felt these same things, but you take it upon yourself then, with the absence of that, to speak into them about the things of the Spirit. You talk to them about Bible stories. You make it fun, but you deal it with it from a deeper perspective. And to me, that's more effective than having somebody else do it even though that's arguably what you're going to have to do once things begin to grow. 
um, you, you, you got to do what needs to be done. Man, we really have chit-chatted ourselves all over the place here, haven't we? Yeah, it's good, though. Um, I mean, I think these, these discussions are necessary because the Lord is going to grow his church. And, and it, he's going to do it throughout the earth. And as stewards of those places, we have to... I mean, these are just things that I've just been considering over the last um, couple of weeks. And, you know, I still have questions. I mean, what, and I know that the Lord will direct, I want you to build a church or I want you to establish a house of prayer and, and learning more and more that are those things one and the same <coughs> or are they not? You know, when we talk about these dwelling places of prayer that even have been established throughout the network, what what is God saying that that is to look like in these end times? What is their responsibility, and and how do you shepherd that? And so these are just things I've been thinking and praying about, and so. Yeah, you know, it's 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 not there's no cookie cutter answer. But you know, in a perfect in a perfect environment, I would like to just go after the Lord and not have to administrate. Yep. I, I hate using that word church. I know. Because church is ecclesia. I know, and it's it's kind of just the title and the just the common perception of what church is. I think the Lord is trying to I mean, he's already taught us about the ecclesia, but that is a revelation that needs to be known throughout the church. Yeah. I mean, I, I just sense that. Anyway, I No, you know, no, no, you're not interrupting. I mean, it's just this discussion. Um, you know, it would be nice if, if, you had, if you had the ability to have an outpost of prayer, true prayer, not a chain, prayer chain, not send your requests over here but true seeking after God by people who are devoted to him and are dedicated to the word and don't have some ulterior motive, who then could be a tangential connect to the general body, just like we do with Christian schools. You know, I'm grateful. I mean, we're Kelly and Fabian are sending the twins to a school up the road where my daughters went to for a number of years that is just Bible-oriented. But they teach the kids the Scripture. They memorize the Scripture. They sing the old songs. They have fun. That's great. I bless them. Now, they don't believe in the things of the Spirit. Some of them do, and they're asking questions. But it, it would be great if you, you had kind of like a uh, the, the place where you could deal. Like if somebody... Um, you got older folks. They need to have a seniors ministry, you know, so they can fellowship and sit around and play rook or old maid or whatever they do. Oh, and, I don't think they play old maid. You know, they whatever they do. I don't know what they do. Bingo. I, of course, I'm almost to the age where I could qualify for that. But, um, but you know, you have these things provided, but you recognize this 
this right here is the command center of the things of the Spirit. And we're not against that. We support that. But these other things have to happen. It'd be great if you had a, a church that was big enough to where you could do that and accept it. The problem is that there you got to have people that you know are not going to go off with every wind of doctrine and do wacky stuff, the extreme stuff that's really not scriptural, because that then brands you as somebody that we can't trust, and those marginal elements that are more cognitively motiv- motivated will see, 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 they're way off. we got to get rid of them. It's And so you really need strength in all these areas, but... Trying to do it all is, we did it for a while by God's grace. And I was thinking the other day here, you remember when we did those Pentecost productions and the hunters put that together, but there were others that were doing them. We were still all praying then. That, doing that kind of thing was a stretch, but we were all still praying then. And um, I, um, we had, you know, our children's ministry had changed because the people that we had leading it accepted another calling in the church, and then we didn't have anybody to fill that in because up to that point we were paying full-time people to do all these things. So I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a challenge. But, you know, it would be great if the young people could say we're going to we're going to pray this is going to be a house of prayer and we're going to seek after god and we're going to base things on the scripture but we're also going to support these other body ministries and i say the body of christ ministries and we're going to we're going to influence them it's like, why was Paul going, why was the Apostle Paul writing to churches advocating that they support the saints? Why was he doing that so often? Because obviously there was a distinction between the two groups, even though they were all one, and the saints must have existed on their own, I, I hence... Why would he be asking over and over and commending those who supported the saints? Why would he do that if they were all in there together? Right. Right. So there are some missing elements of the Spirit, which then goes back to Elijah and Elisha. Why was Elijah, as the kingpin prophet in that place, and then Elisha, who washed the hands of Elijah, why were they going around to these schools of the prophets? Why was there a circuit? And and why were those who came and would offer up um, nuach offerings, first fruits offerings, to support that? What, what was that? See, there are missing elements of the scripture. No, I, I rephrase that. There are missing functional elements um dimensions of the spirit that weren't written there wasn't an operations manual you can see them described as how they function but you don't know how they function go ahead i'm sorry 
No, I just, I love this because I feel like this is revelation that the Lord is, is, is going to be bringing. I, 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 it's like I can, I can see in the spirit, the unveiling of, of the revelation of what this looks like. And for the last couple of weeks, I've been just sensing in my spirit, almost like a bridge. I guess it would be multiple bridges. I feel like the Lord is, as we are established, and I don't really even know how to express this. It's sometimes it's hard to express what you sense in the spirit. But as you know, as we are firmly grounded and established in in the Word and in our identity in Him and who we are, I, I I feel like He wants to use us in some regard as a bridge, to bridge these different dimensions. Yeah. In the building of his end time church. And I feel like us, I feel like that's that's a role that we are going to play. And I don't even know what that looks like or what that means, but my spirit is I just keep seeing this and I and it's kind of starting to make sense just listening to you. But I just I think that's gonna be something that the Lord is gonna use us in in even different denominations. And I know we've talked about being a voice into the assemblies, but it goes even farther beyond that oh, yeah. to where you talk about the Bible church. I know that there's a lot of very strong, grounded, spiritual men of faith that have so much influence that don't believe in the fullness of the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. And and I feel like there's the Lord is wanting to build this bridge between you know the far other end of the spectrum, the charismatic that almost don't have any boundaries, you know, that don't. And and I just I just see this happening prophetically, and I it, anyway I just know that my intercession has been praying into that, and yeah. so it's starting to make sense now. Well, you know, to me a keynote scripture we mentioned this earlier was when Peter said, "Appoint seven men who are filled with the Spirit and full of faith and power. Let them attend to these matters," which was basically general churchy stuff right but we're going to devote ourselves to the ministry of the word and prosuke yeah how can that be peter what did jesus say to peter you know flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but only my father could and upon this rock i'm going to build my church and when you are converted then you encourage the brethren that's what peter was supposed to do and i guess he did but see, then you study the early church and you see like a hundred years after you had Marcion and the Marcionites who were Gnostics, who had, they were wheels off with right. spiritual revelation and they got, they got off. I don't know. I don't think the Buddhists and the Hindus were really around then, but it could be that they said, you know, there are all these other insights, you know, these demons are bringing these insights. We got to bring them. And it almost destroyed the church. And then that put the that put the the backlash. Well, we don't want to have anything to do with this because you see how it leads people astray, which is the same thing we faced when you start pressing any envelope spiritually. You've got people who say, you know, the only thing we've seen about that is it destroys. So we don't want that. We don't want the prophetic because we've got bad examples. We don't want this. We don't want that. So uh, you see the enemy in any way he can trying to disrupt what God really wants. 
But yeah, and just think about his strategy over the la this last season or these last several years. He's attacked the validity of the word, and he's also, in so many ways, with you know this newfound movement of um, what is it called? Progressive Christianity, mm -hmm. which really is based on the mysticism in a lot of ways. And so it's, it's, it's like those two, I mean, those two ends of the spectrum the enemy has attacked and really is plaguing the church with, yeah. which is a distortion of the purity of what the church is supposed to be. True. And so I just, I, I, I see this, I, I, know, I know you do too, and I've just been asking the Lord, you know, where, I don't know. I think more than anything, we just present ourselves an intercession to pray into this and but I do know he's going to bring revelation to us to you to 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 really illuminate and um, well we we truly we truly need to be asking God and as we enter into this year the prophetic for his direction because his timing will lead us and I believe it is his timing. And, you know, in the middle of the night, I woke up, which I do regularly, and there was a real tussle in the spirit realm. And, and I, I was thinking this verse when John the Baptist sent his followers to ask Jesus, are you the one that's coming? And Jesus answered him. You know, he could have said, well, hey, weren't you paying attention with the <laughs> Jordan? Didn't you yeah. hear the thunder? Didn't you hear the father say? Didn't you see the dove come down? Didn't you hear your your mama talk about what happened with my mama? He didn't say any of that, did he? He could have. That, that's probably what I would have said. What's the matter, you man? Hey, you, look at this. He said, tell him that the blind see, the lame walk. And I think that we've got to have the demonstration of the Spirit with power. And it's not something you create just because you know all the principles and you you can, like a Harry Potter thing, make something happen. I mean, God God is going to have to show himself with signs following. Mm -hmm. And we've got to have that mm -hmm. uh, it, it, because it's the only thing. Now, the enemy will have lying signs and wonders. <clears throat> I remember, and I don't want to go too far with this, but I remember when this progressive stuff started showing its head in our movement. And it was very, at that point, honestly, I was oblivious. I didn't see it coming. I was shocked by it. But I remember that one of the things that was being ballyhooed in a gathering was healing. And some of the things that were being manifested by those that were really wanting to change the direction Everything was about healing, you know. Who has a problem? Let me lay hands on you. And I thought, well, you know, who's going to fault that? Mm -hmm. So I know that the enemy will try to do that, and there will be lying signs and wonders, just like Simon the sorcerer. Mm -hmm. But we, uh, we, and there were people in Jesus' day. I mean, I remember reading those histories of Jerusalem. And in Jesus' day, you know, you had lots of prophets you had people that worked miracles. And one of the most profound, I mentioned this, was a guy called the Rainmaker. And he would draw a circle, 
and he would dance around in a circle and rain would come. And people would go out, oh man, this guy is sliced bread. That was a competition to Jesus. And like when he'd say, he'd say, are you also going to leave me? Where were those people going? They were zealots that went here and there and everywhere. And the answer was, where else are we going to go? You alone have the words of life. We've got to embrace the word. But Jesus faced it. It makes me think about what he said about when they said, but Lord, we did this and we did that and we we did signs yeah, and wonders. And, we, and he said, but you never knew me. Yeah. And that. I never knew you. I never knew you. Yeah. Which one's the same as the other, but to let God come into you and know the places that he created to know you in. Man, that's a big thing. That's a good verse. And we are out of time. And once again, this took a direction that... <laughs> yeah. So I would just say that if you've not yet sent in your first Saturday word, do it. Um, we'll look forward to reaching out again tomorrow, Wednesday Night Live. And um, keep uh, keep praying during this busy month of December. Good oh, yeah. grief. We're already December 8th. You know, this day in history, John Lennon was shot. Oh. It was a Monday. It was Monday night football. I heard a clip this morning. I thought you were going to say, I heard a, I heard a, a uh, uh, <laughs> I heard this, yeah. Howard Crosell, they gave him the word. And, oh, my gosh. And he said he was the one that announced it. And it was ABC because one of their reporters had had a bike accident, and he was in the hospital in the emergency room. And John Lennon was brought into the little cubicle beside, and Yoko Ono was wailing, and he got a phone and called and told ABC they were the first one that got that. Really interesting. Yesterday, a day which will live in infamy. Allie was telling me about how, uh, no, Megan was telling me about how that uh, the United States went to war on that day years ago. I thought, that's good. Those Baptists are teaching you some good history over there. (laughs) All right. Thanks for joining us today. God bless you. Stay under the covering of the blood. Stay well. Stay safe. Keep seeking. Keep seeking him. Thanks for joining us and be blessed. Goodbye.